When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Lon Seibin, and we've got a great interview today with Brian Heidelberger, who's an attorney who handles uh, advertising and marketing law, especially as it relates to YouTubers, influencer marketing, and all of the things that uh, we have been talking about here on the channel over the last couple of weeks related to proper disclosures. I wanted to give you a little disclosure up front, uh, not in the marketing sense, but in the sense that uh, there was a couple of little technical issues with this video. We were working through their video conferencing system, so the video quality and the audio quality isn't as good as uh, we've had on some of our Skype interviews, but the content is great, so I definitely want you to stick by and uh, watch this, but don't uh, ding us too badly for the quality of the audio and video, because the information you'll glean from this is actually quite useful. So let's take it away and uh, hear what Brian has to say. Hey everybody, it's Lon Sivan, and we're continuing our discussion about uh, fair disclosures when it comes to reviewing products on YouTube. So I want to have everyone who hasn't yet heard about my plight against uh, this fame bid and this ring doorbell thing I've been dealing with uh, to go over to this video that I'm linking above so you can kind of get an idea of the context in which we're speaking. Because one of the things that I've been really concerned about uh, over the last couple of months and years actually is that a lot of things that you see on YouTube have actually been bought and paid for by brands who are asking YouTubers to do favorable reviews of product in exchange for free product and sometimes in exchange for compensation. And I wanted to bring on an expert to kind of walk us through what's allowed and what isn't allowed because it's certainly okay to take an advertisement on your channel, but there's a line that you don't really want to cross. I don't think a lot of uh, creators who are first starting out actually know what those lines are. So uh, I'm joined today uh, by Brian uh, Heidelberger, who is a attorney who specializes in advertising law and marketing law and is going to give us a quick overview of to really how to keep yourself as a creator and a brand uh, out of trouble. So first of all, Brian, welcome to the program. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your law firm and the kind of work that you do? Sure. So uh, I am from the law firm of Winston & Strawn here in Chicago. I'm chair of the Advertising, Marketing, and Privacy Law Practice. And what we generally do is represent major brands and advertising agencies in their development of creative content, whether that be counseling them on issues, whether it be transactional work, or from time to time, dispute resolution when they get into fights with the FTC or class action attorneys or competitors. So it's something that uh, happens a lot more often than not, because I guess a lot of times the FTC does a lot of work in this area, but they're not always public about their investigations, right? Well, they do uh, make their investigations public, but not until they're basically done, in which case they're usually getting the advertiser or the agency to be signing what's called a consent order, which is basically a 20-year agreement whereby the advertiser is agreeing not to do something wrong again, as well as has other reporting requirements for the next 20 years. And then it's kind of a one bite at the apple situation. If you violate that consent order, then you're going to be subject to severe penalties. The FTC usually at their first go just makes you sign that consent order rather than institute uh, severe penalties right off the bat. And we should say, too, that the FTC, at least here in the United States, is the Federal Trade Commission, which regulates this kind of activity within the United States and commerce within the United States. So the other countries might have different but similar laws as well. And I think most t tend to 
kind of follow the same pattern. So, Brian, let's start off talking about, you know, me as a creator. Um, you know, I get yeah. brands all the time asking me to, to review their products, and, and sometimes they want the product back. Sometimes they don't want the product back for logistical reasons. Uh, some others out there just, you know, have this expectation that I'm going to do something favorable for them if they give me free product. What should I, as a creator, do uh, to make sure that I keep myself out of trouble because there are some penalties that uh, creators can fall under. So what, what's the first thing that a creator should think about doing when they go and review a product that maybe they got for free? Well, there's, there's really two issues from a creator standpoint. The first is to give your honest and truthful opinion. Um, you want to make sure that people aren't putting words in your mouth and you're saying what you truly believe. Now, that sounds easy enough to say, but obviously when you're getting compensation, you're getting free stuff, you might feel influenced, especially if you're having conversations with an advertising agency or an advertiser who wants you to say a certain thing. But the FTC's number one rule is you have to give your honest and truthful opinion. And then, of course, course, number two, it's not illegal to take something for uh, some compensation in order to put out some content. Um, but if you are getting paid, whether that be by money, whether that be sweepstakes entries or free stuff, you need to appropriately disclose the connection between you and the advertiser. And not only do you need to disclose it, you need to do it in a way that people can easily see and understand it. It's not good enough for it to be upside down and backwards or on the side or on the slate, things that people don't, or in tiny mice type that people don't see. It has to be what they say clearly and conspicuously disclosed. So let's talk about like in the case of a, of a YouTube creator like me. Um, so I, I, you know, I get a call from somebody and I haven't done this, but let's just see if hypothetically here. So uh, brand calls me up and says, Hey Lon, we want you to review our product. Uh, we're going to give you the product and uh, we're going to give you $250 as well to review the right. product. And um, I had one instance where the, you know, the agency actually said, well, this is for a positive review, which is when I turned it down. But um, so what, what should I do as a, as a YouTube creator in that instance is putting uh, the word sponsored by in my description buried under the fold enough, or do I have to be more explicit in my, in my uh, explanation of my relationship with that company? Right. Well, some of it depends on what type of format you're putting that content out. The FTC recently updated its, well, not that recently at this point, a couple of years ago, updated its dot-com disclosures. And those dot-com disclosures talk about how they want uh, disclosures to be made. And then the FTC has answered certain questions regarding its endorsement and testimonial rules, which has given us some, some content too. Um, in short, the FTC has said in terms of disclosure, if we're talking about a video, it really should be in the video itself and it should be upfront. And if it's a long video, it really should be at the end as well. Now, if it's talking about kind of live stream things like Periscope, where people are jumping in and out and might not see the, something right at the beginning, the FTC says the disclosure should be made consistently throughout. So what about something like Periscope, where people are kind of coming in and out throughout the course of the video? What should the person think about doing in an instance of a live stream? The FTC has said that it's not good enough just to have it at the beginning or the end because, like you said, people are popping in and out. So you really want to have it not necessarily up at all times, but at consistent points throughout the video play uh, to make sure that people who are jumping in and out can see it. It's really all about making sure people can see it, not just about it somehow being there. So it has to be conspicuous in some way. And I, I had a, a person who commented on my video, and she since has deleted the, the comments, so maybe she looked it up and got the answer for herself. But uh, she insinuated right. that just disclosing the fact that a, 
that a product was provided for free should be enough, that if there was side compensation on top of the free product, that they wouldn't re be required to do both. But I, I don't see it that way. I, I think it's, you have to really say that not only did I receive this product, but I was compensated for making this review. Is that the correct assessment? Well, the FTC has really said they're not going to tell you you have to exactly explain what you got and how you got it. What the FTC thinks is important is that you disclose that there's a connection, that you're not just giving this statement or this endorsement to the product out of the goodness in your heart, that you're in some way connected. So it's always best to you know disclose more. But what the FTC really wants is, hey, I'm connected to this company in some way. Now, whether that be to say that you got free product or that you were compensated um, is probably not that critical to disclose. So this to some extent that they said, I, I am doing this. And is the word sponsorship enough? Because I've read some revised language that says that the FTC's interpretation of sponsorship uh, is still, well, they, they don't consider it to be clear enough that if someone is paying for a placement in a video, so the kind of uh, paid sponsorships that I do on this channel, which are relatively rare, uh, is I, I have someone sponsor a piece of content that might involve the use of that product. So they are paying for placement in the video, and I'm making it clear that it's a right. sponsorship. But should I say that it's a paid sponsorship, or is it something that people assume sponsorship means paid? Uh, how are the, how are the uh, semantics of this argument changing now that the FTC continually adjusts its policies about this? Well, the general way to go about it is just to say sponsored or advertisement or ad or, you know, on Twitter, it's like hashtag ad, something like that. Right. But what you're talking about comes into the issue of somewhat into editorial control, right? So is it just a thing where they are, quote unquote, sponsoring it, or did they have part of approval, review, input into your editorial piece? In such case, sponsored might not be enough, right? Because it really is almost, if, if they're involved in the writing of it, uh, the approving of it, the, it might almost be an advertorial per se. And so you might have to say a little bit more than if it's just, you're saying whatever you want and they gave you some money, right? Right, so it'd be something perhaps to say that they are sponsoring this piece of content and uh, we work together on putting this together for you or something to, to at least let the viewer know that they had some editorial component of the final price right. versus just uh, having their product show up in, in a placement or something like that. Yeah, and that's a great way to do it. I mean, a lot of times people are like, oh, I hate disclaimers. I don't want to say sponsored this, that. You can fit it into the creative copy, just like you said. You know, if you start out your video and just say, hey, XYZ Company and I work together on this piece to put this out for you, that's enough. You don't have to have any kind of other disclosure or legal disclaimer or anything like that. You said it right in your, in your content. And, and how have things changed in, you know, as I look across the landscape here, and, and in my particular example, when I was looking, you know, at, at what other people were doing in relation to a particular product, it was, it was pretty striking, actually, how many uh, people were not, the creators were not disclosing what's been going on out there. Right. And it feels like kind of like the wild, wild west right now. So uh, for someone who specializes in this area of law, has this been a very busy time for you? What are you seeing out there? What, what are some of your concerns as a lawyer um, who tries to keep people out of trouble, I'm assuming, as this is developing. What, what are some things that are really concerning you out there? Well, you, we definitely still get these questions, even though the te uh, endorsement and testimonial guides and the rules, therefore, came out a number of years ago. And in fact, you continue to see FTC actions. And the reason why you see those, the FTC has said, is 
frankly, they're getting a little bit annoyed with people. They're saying, we don't understand why you still have questions. These rules came out five years ago. You are all big boys. You should understand this stuff by now. Um, but yet you still don't have people clearly understanding how, how to apply the rules. Although I really do think that the FTC recently, when they answered, they, they put out a document which kind of answered nitty gritty questions, kind of like the one we talked about on Periscope. I think that's really helped uh, both content creators and brands to figure out how to make disclosure. Right, especially since things are changing so rapidly that we didn't have this, this easy live streaming platform a year ago, now we do. So having some, some clarification on that is probably helpful. But um, I, now I'm curious, right. you know, what, whose responsibility is it to know what these rules are? And I mean, I've often taken it uh, as it is my responsibility. I mean, I take this, this channel seriously. It's a, it's a growing business and I, and I treat it as such. And I'm, but I'm also you know, close to 40. I've been working in, in, in the world for a while. Right. I kind of know what rules are and what laws are and what it means to comply with regulations that might apply to my particular business. A lot of younger people who are you know, out there, I mean, you could have a 16-year-old kid who's doing this on the side. He's making 250, yeah. 300 bucks a shot. It's a great gig. Um, you know, he doesn't care, nor does he know that he's supposed to, or she is supposed to d disclose these things. I'm thinking, especially in the cosmetic industry, it's kind of rampant right now. Right. Whose who's responsibility is it? Who's, who, ha who has the risk of uh, falling into a, uh, I guess it's not a crime in the sense that this, these are more civil uh, actions that are brought against people, but who's, who's really at risk here for um, some kind of litigation or some kind of fine if they uh, right. aren't complying with the law? Well, the FTC has made it clear that both parties are responsible, the content creator and the advertiser and or its agency. So the content creator like you certainly should try to be aware of it and comply with the law. But like you said, I mean, my kids all the time are watching these videos uh, for Madden football and NBA 2K where people are broadcasting live and I'm sure they're getting free product as, as part of it. And they're so young, these kids, they're not even understanding their disclosure. So as a content creator, you should, you should make disclosure. But what the FTC has really made clear that the people that they're gonna be looking at and the people who are going to get consent orders and fines and the real legal action where the real legal risk is, is the advertisers and or their agencies. That's who they think is responsible. And interestingly, the, the advertisers have additional obligations. We talked before that as a content creator, you want to not only um, give your honest opinion and make disclosure, the advertiser and agency have those obligations to make sure that the content creators do that as well. But they also have the obligations to monitor their content creators, as well as to attempt to affect takedown or change in the event that the content creators didn't actually do it appropriately. Okay, so that's a good point because I've seen things come into me uh, from brands where I sign a contract that says I agree to disclose everything properly in the course of my video, at, you know, and, you know, acknowledging that you're sending me products to review on the channel, and I've, I've probably signed a bunch of those. Uh, so if I were to go rogue and I were to, to say to, you know, to this big brand, yeah, you know what, they, they can, I sign something, but. I, I'm not going to reveal that I got this stuff for free. Um, uh, what, so in that instance, I go rogue. They have that contract. Is the brand protected and I'm kind of on the hook now? The brand's really not protected. They really need to still monitor your channel, make mm -hmm. sure that what you're putting out is done appropriately, appropriate disclosures are made, and then they're obligated to act, ask you to take things down or change things if you don't do it right. Now, of course, they can't cause you to do it in the event 
that you don't actually change it or take it down. The FTC has kind of said, listen, you need to do your due diligence, but if somebody goes rogue on you, they're probably not going to you know, hold you responsible. But you can't just wave your hands and say, listen, um, I, this is too hard to monitor these people. I didn't have time to ask them to take it down. So you have those additional obligations as the advertiser or the agency. So, so I guess there really is, I mean, some risk here on the part of brands that they may not be aware of, especially smaller companies that uh, just handing out free product to as many YouTubers as you can could actually bring about some significant challenges for you, uh, both from a PR standpoint, but also from a regulatory standpoint, I guess. Is that is that a fair assessment? Definitely. And you've seen that time and time again in FTC activity. There's been a number of FTC cases where there's been Twitter parties or brands have contacted YouTubers and given them a gift card to talk about their Super Bowl commercial or something like that. And, um, you know, they, they haven't necessarily um, t- done their due diligence and made sure that those people are aware that disclosure is necessary and then continued to monitor them. The FTC over the past couple of years has started out by taking a very light approach and uh, just kind of advising the, the advertisers, hey, you fail to do X, Y, and Z. We want to see you do better in the future. But as you see in the past year, there's been actual, you know, consent agreements where they're kind of saying at this point, you guys should know what's going on and we're not going to take the light approach anymore. So they're, they're putting their foot down. In other words, in other, they try to, yeah, to try exactly. to keep, it's, I mean, it's really getting a bit crazy out there. So let, let's fast forward to, uh, you know, something that does happen. I'm a brand. I didn't know what I was doing. I put all this stuff out there. Uh, how do they reel it back in? I mean, is there things that the FTC could say to that YouTuber who's, you know, put this video up and doesn't know any better? Uh, can they re- almost order that YouTuber to pull down that offensive video or, or revise it to re- effectively make this proper stipulation or the things that they can actually do to create somebody to pull down content? Well, you know, in practicality, usually what happens is when you get an uh, investigation by the FTC, what everybody goes running back to the YouTube channel or the Twitter feed to see what's going on. And usually they just take the stuff down because at that point, right or wrong, they just want to pull it down to make sure they're avoiding any problems. So 99% of the time that happens. It's only when you've got, you know, very expensive materials that you created that you can't pull down when people might want to, you know, take issue, fight with the FTC over it because they have nothing else to put in their place um, and they need to keep these materials running but the truth is a lot of these type of materials we're talking about with uh, regard to influencer marketing it's the kind of thing that um, they love to have it out but if it goes down it's not that damaging to the to the brand and would you say too that these disclosures are pretty cut and dry I mean is there is there is, are, I mean are people trying to find loopholes in this or do you think that it, it, it's fairly easy to, to comply with this law and do so in a way that's open and 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 yeah, well, I mean, the FTC would say this is super easy. We're not asking you to do a lot. Say sponsored, say ad, say something like that, and you're good to go. You know, but um, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a creative meeting with an advertising agency. You know, it's just their job is to be creative, and they see disclosures and disclaimers as you know uh, knocking the effectiveness of their materials, and you know that's how they honestly believe. So whenever you have you know uh, creative people, they're always going to be finding and looking for loopholes to get around the law, no matter how you know relatively simple the legal obligations are.
Right. So there's always, there's always something to be, be mindful of. And I guess it's really on the creators and, and I guess those agencies and brands, perhaps the managers of those, those accounts to make sure that, okay, we're going to be smart and creative here, but we've got a law to comply with and we've got to be careful about it. Are there any recent cases that are public now that, that you can comment on? Not necessarily things that you were directly involved with, but things that you've seen out there that uh, are really good examples of perhaps somebody doing something really wrong and they were, were called out on it. Anything that, that comes to mind? Well, there's one case that's, uh, you know, a little bit old at this point, but it's called Reverb Communications. The FTC brought an action against Reverb Communications. And what they were doing was going on iTunes and kind of typing in comments on games as if they were like 13-year-old kids and saying how great the games were. And in fact, Reverb was actually getting royalties based on sales. And there was, again, Two problems there. One, right, they didn't give their honest and truthful opinions. But two, they were also not disclosing that they were connected to the company, that they weren't little kids. I mean, the general rule is that if you are, um, you know, making up a fake consumer, you're starting at the wrong place. There's other interesting cases. This one, not the FTC, but the New York Attorney General, again, a couple years ago, Lifestyle Lift a company cosmetic surgery and they got hit for a $250,000 fine by the New York attorney general because what they were doing was posting testimonials to their website who were actually employees of their company and it wasn't disclosed. Now it sounds like, Hey, that's a really scummy thing to do. But the truth is you get this all the time, right? You start a blog, you start something and you want to start it with some really nice content. People love our product. So what we're going to do is we're going to seed our blog with some good reviews to start just so it doesn't look blank and it's people generally like our product so we're not telling anything that's not true and so they go ahead and they make up a consumer a legitimate story they tell but it's still made up and unfortunately that is still against the law and unless of course you make a disclosure and say fictionalization or you know um, some other kind of disclosure to to explain that this is a sample consumer this is not an actual consumer so kind of like those little disclaimers we see on those those drug commercials where it's a you know, actor simulation or something to <laughs> at least get. yeah you see that a lot these days actually what I'm seeing is a lot of people going over bounds because the truth is if you're watching a commercial and it's clear that this is an actor which a lot of those pharmaceutical ads are many times they're kind of slickly produced it's odd Obviously, uh, an actor, you still are seeing people going overboard in disclosing actor portrayal. I'm watching TV at home a lot of times and saying, it's obvious that it's an actor portrayal. Right. Everybody knows that. You don't have to disclose that. But I think some advertisers and agencies are overacting a little bit, either maybe not fully understanding the law or just want to be totally above board, clear and making those kind of disclosures, notwithstanding the fact that they might not have to. Right, because it is there's an obviousness. And I think that is something important, too, to point out, that there is something in the FTC regulations that if something is completely obvious to the viewer, then it doesn't necessarily have to be disclosed. And I've read somewhere where, you know, if you're a newspaper or a CNET.com or some, somebody that's in the business of, uh, of covering technology as journalists, then the disclosures are not as clear there. Is that, is that a correct assessment? Yeah, I mean, that that's where a lot of debate comes in. You know, people would say that, hey, you know, people understand that celebrities get free stuff. But the FTC has come out and specifically said that unless you can prove that everybody knows this celebrity got this specific free thing, that celebrity needs to disclose. People sometimes say, hey, everybody knows influencers get free stuff. But what the FTC has said, no, you need disclosure unless you can prove that everyone who's viewing that 
understands that that person got a specific thing on that post for free, which of course is very, very difficult, if not impossible. So the old school way in print, the FTC is uh, print advertising. They've kind of not said that you have to, in print advertising, disclose that you got free stuff. But the FTC still looks at the internet, blogs, influencers, as you mentioned, somewhat of the Wild West, and they feel like disclosure still needs to be made. People still don't fully understand. It's something that people would want to know when reading a post that they got a free thing, that they got sweepstakes entries, that they got some money. Right. So the safest way to play it is both for you yourself as a creator and as a, a, a brand is to just, just disclose it, play it safe, give everyone the ideas to where you're coming from, and you got nothing to worry about after that. I guess it's probably the safest bet, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's certainly that's the safest, but, you know, that's not necessarily how all influencers and uh, advertisers and agencies go. At the end of the day, it's everybody's own risk tolerance. The FTC guides, we should understand, are not the law. What the FTC guides are is its opinion on what constitutes an unfair practice, on what constitutes something that's false and deceptive. Ultimately, if you disagreed with the FTC, you could challenge them and go to court and see if a judge thought differently. And the guides that are out there talking about this disclosure um, are not binding on a court. That being said, most people really don't want to go to court over this, spend the time, effort, and money. They don't want to battle with the FTC. So like you said, if you want to stay out of the crosshairs, disclosure is the best way to go. And one last question for you, because I think this is probably more uh, inclusive of everyone out there that uh, is even just casually posting content to the web. A lot of uh, companies offer affiliate marketing links where uh, I, I promote a product with no pre-compensation, but they will on the back end uh, kick me back a percentage for driving people to a particular website to uh, drive their sales. Now, this is certainly not a sponsorship, and in many ways, it's a passive advertising mechanism that is open to a lot more people than uh, perhaps just uh, people on YouTube producing content. So what kinds of things, before somebody posts an affiliate link, because I see them all the time popping up in my comment stream here, uh, you have some obligations right. there also on disclosure, right? Well, you should be aware of the FTC case against Legacy Learning, in which case Legacy Learning was a guitar uh, lesson uh, company. They had a lot of affiliate, affiliates out there posting links saying, hey, you should take this guitar course. It helped me. It'll help you. And when people clicked on the link, bought the guitar uh, lesson package, they would get paid on that click-through. The FTC went after Legacy Learning and signed a consent order, and if I remember correctly, there was a stiff monetary penalty involved. In that case, the FTC believed that consumers would want to to know when they saw that affiliate link, that that affiliate was not just posting that link out of the goodness of their heart, but because they had a monetary investment there that they were trying to make some money on sending people to the advertiser. So you want to be careful about that. Now, of course, if you just post because you love something and after you post, the advertiser comes to you and says, thank you so much. We're so glad you did that here's this free thing. You don't need to just go out and disclose at that point. It's really a matter of when you make the post, were you influenced um, by some sort of compensation? That's kind of the time period in which you want to consider. And then I guess at moving forward, if you did anything else with that product after it was given you to you for free, then you would probably need to disclose that uh, you know, they gave me this product in the course of this review right. or whatever, right? I mean, it's, it's moving forward. So it's, you're not going to get penalized for something you did before you had the relationship, but after you're certainly obligated, right? 
Exactly. Excellent. Well, Brian, thank you very much for your time today. I think this is helpful. It, it actually, you know, it's a complex legal issue to some degree, but in many ways being compliant isn't. You can just say that I got this stuff for free or this person paid me to say this and you're covered. Right. Um, but you have a great, I found you because I was doing YouTube searches for lawyers talking about uh, this kind of issue and yours is the one that came up quite a bit. So you have a YouTube channel where you talk about this stuff in more detail. So where can people find that YouTube channel? Uh, YouTube.com backslash Brian Heidelberger, where you can find many advertising law lessons on sweepstakes, promotions, advertising issues, privacy issues. They're under five minutes, and we try to make them really easy to understand. Excellent, because that's definitely something to look for. And I guess if you're a uh, brand that is marketing something, I'm sure they could uh, take you on as a client to uh, get some advice to keep themselves out of hot water too, I guess, right? We're always here. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Brian, thank you very much for your time on the show today. Nobody paid either one of us thank to talk you, to each other. <laughs> so I really appreciate you uh, uh, spending a half hour or so just to kind of clear these things up. And uh, we'll hopefully maybe bring you back on if something else happens that's worth talking about. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. This channel is brought to you by my Patreon supporters, including Gold Level supporter Shabib. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash Patreon to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash S.